Hello and welcome to our channel. We are so happy you're joining us for this life-changing message from Awakening Church. I believe it will bless you. This mini-series that I'm doing is called Mysteries and Promises. Say mysteries and promises. Said by faith, this year, many mysteries will be revealed. Oh, you should be believing that. Said by faith, this year, many promises will be fulfilled. I'm teaching from one of the most common verses of scripture ever written. This is a psalm that we learned by heart in kindergarten. Many secular people know this psalm. Even if you never read the Bible in your whole life, chances are you heard this psalm. It's predominantly used at funerals. But I think this is a big mistake because Psalm 23 is not meant to be read when you die. It's meant to be the testimony of your life. When I was preparing for these messages that I'm going to teach one year ago, seriously, God spoke to me and he said, Tell my people that 2023 will be the fulfillment of Psalm 23 in their life. Tell them that this year is a year of my specific and special providence for them. It's not just the general providence of God that he provided for the church, that he provided for the building, that he provided for our community. It's the special, specific, miraculous providence of God that you are going to experience this year. And so I started prophesying all of this in the beginning of the year and believing that God will bring these words to pass. And he has, say he has. We've seen miraculously over 1.2 million euros come to our building fund in 12 months. Oh, you should be clapping like God is a miracle worker. We officially own a building that was supposed to be demolished. They were going to build apartments there. Now we own it. Whatever God promised, he will fulfill because he's a God that can do everything but one thing. There is one thing that God couldn't do. He couldn't lie. If he says it, he means it, and he will bring it to fruition. Say mysteries and promises. Now, what is a mystery? A mystery is something that is difficult or impossible to understand or explain completely. One of the big problems with mysteries is that oftentimes the mysteries of God for your life are hidden in plain sight. Many times it's not in the foreign 
the unknown, but in the familiar or the underappreciated that God hides a mystery. You know, a mystery is a secret. A mystery is something that was always there, but you couldn't see because it was hidden under a veil. You need a spirit of revelation, the Bible calls it, or you need somebody who is functioning with something called in the Greek, apocalypsis. Apocalypsis means the removing of the veil, the removing of the covering. The painting was always there, but you couldn't see it. It was covered. I was uncovering a statue of a great Bulgarian hero, probably one of our greatest heroes this year, uh, a monument, and they invited me to be the spiritual representer to dedicate this amazing uh, monument. And it's a huge monument, like a 10 meters tall, probably the most beautiful monument of a Bulgarian hero called Vasil Levski. He's one of the heroes of Bulgaria who fought for our freedom. And so I was about to unveil this monument and, you know, everybody could see that there is something big there, but nobody could see exactly what. It was undercover. I want to tell you right now that what God wants to do in your life is undercover. You are about to discover what the Bible says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it come to the hearts of people, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. You should be clapping. You should be shouting. You should be believing. So he said, keep the best for last. So I kept the best for last. So here we are in the most well-known scripture. But you have to promise me something as we launch this series of teachings, as we step into the word, you have to promise me that you will leave all your pre-understanding. Because the biggest enemy of revelation is knowledge. Whenever you think you know, you lose. Whenever you think you have it, you don't have it. You see, you have to come to the word like a broke person. You know, there is some amazing power in being very, very broke. There is just an amazing, an amazing uh, secret to the riches of heaven. That only people who are broken in spirit, come on and talk to me now. Who feel like, you know, you don't have to be broke financially to be broken inside. Oh. You don't have to be looking like you're broken to be broken. You have to be broken on the inside. One of my favorite Psalms in the Bible, not 23, another one. David is talking about his secrets with God. And then he says something that's incredible. He says, I'm a poor man. I'm a beggar. I have nothing. Now, at the time of writing this psalm, he's already the richest, wealthiest king in the history of Israel. By the time of writing this psalm, he already has a few wives. Come on and talk to me now. By the time of writing this psalm, he already has his dream house. And yet, when he talks about his spiritual 
condition, when he talks about his spiritual life, when he, when he talks about his spiritual disposition, he says, I'm a beggar, I'm a poor man, I'm broken in spirit. And the Bible says, God will never despise a broken spirit. Shout like you have a broken spirit. Clap like you have a broken spirit. What religion is trying to do, religion is trying to puff you up so that you feel like you already know. So that you feel like you already deserve. Are you here today? So you're missing, you're missing the goodies. You're missing the surprises. You're missing the blessings. You're missing the wonderful moments when God is pulling a veil because you're sitting there and you're already saying, I, I know. Well, what, what is it that you know? Well, there is a painting underneath. I could see the frame, but do you see the color? Do you see it as a shape? Do you only see it as a form? Or do you see the substance? Your life is about to get substance. I said that your life is about to get substance. The Lord is my shepherd. The Hebrew says, Adonai Rohi. Another Hebrew word that could be used here is Ra'ah. It's actually the same word where we get providence or provision from. Rohi is a shepherd. Ra'ah talks about providence. Providence comes from Latin. And goes back to the Hebrew word of providence, which actually means providare or to see in advance. To see in advance, to foresee and to prepare in advance. That's why it's provision. Provision simply means what you have prepared for the vision. You saw something and now you prepared for what you saw. I'm trying to preach this. So the Bible says that God is all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's all-wise. So for him, is nothing that he didn't see coming. So you didn't see your bankruptcy in 2023, but he saw it. You didn't see that your best friend will betray you in 2021, but he saw it. So whenever you see something and you're shocked, you have to remind yourself, Adonai Raha, Adonai is my shepherd. God has already seen it. But not only that he said, not only he has seen it, not only he saw what would happen, not only he heard what the doctor would tell you, not only he foresaw, he also foreknew. And not only he foreknew, he, he already Provided, he providarit, he prepared in advance. Elohim, Adonai, Ra'ah, he prepared for you whatever you just find out you're missing. My English is not bad, your revelation is too weak. So when we talk about the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It gives a picture 
a full provision. And this I shall not want in English is beautiful because it comes back to the original Hebrew. It means I am not going to be a needy person. So it doesn't just talk about the whole uh, idea of uh, God will provide for all my needs. I will, not, uh, I will not want, you know, the Bulgarian translation says, I will not stay in need, which is also this kind of close idea to what the Hebrew says, that I will not be a needy person. And even if I find myself in need, this will not be my definition. I, I'm, 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 I'm broke now, but I'm not, I'm not broke. Right now, they said that, that they said that I'm sick, but I'm not sick. Right now, I'm going through this need, but this need will not define me. And it's not only the act of God, of his provision. It's not only the act of God in your life whereby he provides for you, but it's also your choice. The psalmist, he had a choice and he understood that I have a choice and you have a choice. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack. I will need nothing. Isn't it powerful? You will not be a needy person. I said that you will not be a, a person who is always in need. Yes, sometimes you might have a need, but you will not be your need. You know, people define themselves by their needs. You need to receive the revelation that whatever I'm going through right now, this is not me. This doesn't define me. I remember being 14, 15 years old, and I get a call from a guy at church. He says, we have received charity from Scandinavia for the poor children of Bulgaria. I was living without running water and electricity, and he calls me, guess what, to help him with the charity. This is a lot. So he says, can you come with a friend of yours and then we have this huge truck that needs to be, you know, all of the stuff have to be downloaded from the truck and loaded on the other bus or whatever to be distributed to the poor and needy. So I'm thinking now, this is a huge truck. I go there in the morning. I see this truck, the biggest truck I had seen in my life. Full with stuff. There were toys in the truck. Talk to me now. Clothing in the truck, computers in the truck. A lot of people had given, you know, for the poor children of Bulgaria. So there we are. I thought that maybe there will be like 40 or 50 of us downloading all of this stuff. And then I was looking for the other helpers. I was looking around the truck. I was looking underneath the truck. Are you here today? I was looking in the truck. Then I realized it was me and this friend of mine who was, God bless his soul. He was the, you know, the skinniest kid possible. So I'm thinking, so now it's me and this skinny guy. I don't have, I'm broke. He's broke. I don't have money. He doesn't have money. And we are going to help this, you know, charity organization to bring in stuff for broke people. 
So from the morning to the evening, we are downloading all of these things. We're putting them in boxes, etc. And then in the end of the day, this guy who was setting it all up, he, he gathered us together, the two of us. He says, guys, you did a great job. So therefore, I want to give you the opportunity to take something. Oh, there were many toys inside. There were some shoes. There were some clothing. You could take a few things. You know, you, you could take something. I look at the guy and I say, Sir, this is for the poor and needy. This is not for me. My friend immediately he was like, of course, we could never take this. She says, this, this wouldn't be fair. It wouldn't be fair to all the broke kids. The guy was looking at us like, you are the broke kids. You're the one supposed to get it. You see, we were in need. But we didn't define ourselves by our needs. We were low income, but we were not low mentality. Did you go through something 10 years ago that's still defining you? It's finished, but it's still in your head. I'm trying to preach this now. The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be defined by what I need. Why? Because God can provide for me. So if I don't have it now, it doesn't mean I'll never have it. This does not define me. Oh, if I finish my message here, I think this was the best message you heard this week. Look at the person next to you and say, this, whatever this is, does not define you. Maybe you don't have the money. It doesn't define you. Maybe you don't have the connection. It doesn't define you. Maybe you don't have the favor. Now, it doesn't define you. Maybe the door looks closed. It doesn't define you. Maybe you need a job right now. It doesn't define you. This does not define me. What defines me? It defines me that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I refuse to be a needy person. I refuse to be a person with a lack. I, I refuse to be a person who has a mentality of lack. I, I, I choose to think abundantly. I choose to think that God has prepared stuff for me. I haven't even read the whole thing and I'm preaching. He makes me, the New King James says, he makes me, he makes me, he makes me. I love English. He makes me, he makes me. God, God makes me. Say God makes me. My circumstances don't make me. God makes me. What I went through doesn't make me. God makes me. What he said about me doesn't make me. God makes me. Can I be extra, hyper, mega, deep and radical with you now? What I made of myself didn't make me. My mistakes don't define me. Ah, you should be clapping here. It's only God who has the original copyright of Maxim. The Lord is 
my shepherd. He defines me. Shout like you believe it. Come on. He makes me to lie down on green pastures. He leads me, he leads me, he leads me, he leads me. He makes me, he leads me. He restores me. Say, he makes me. He leads me. He restores me. Say it again. He makes me. He leads me. He restores me. Now look at it. He makes me to lie down on green pastures. You know what? He has to make you lie down because usually you're restless. Literally. It's not just a coincidence that God decided to compare you to sheep. Obviously, sheep are not the most intelligent. Obviously, sheep are dependent. Sheep are part of a herd. Obviously, sheep are defenseless. Are you here today? No, when you look at the church, you look at Christians, you can see many sheep in the church. No, sheep could fight another sheep, but they will never fight anything else but a sheep. If this doesn't define Christianity, tell me what does. You only see sheep fighting for status and hitting, you know, rubbing their heads literally in one another in the herd. They never do it outside of the herd. Christians only fight for status in the church. They never fight to, fight to achieve anything outside of the church. I could continue with the comparisons. There is a man who is literally a shepherd. I believe he's from South Africa. He wrote a book. His book is called A Shepherd's Take on Psalm 23. I think the guy thought all the preachers tried to explain now let me, as a shepherd, explain this psalm. So he says that literally, a shepherd has to make sheep lie down. Because sheep would not lay down. Because they are constantly under fear. So first, the shepherd has to deal with fear. Are you here today? So that the sheep could lay down. Second, the sheep would never lay down if there is friction. You know, they have friction. Do you know what friction means? It means they're pushing each other. And usually it's the fat old sheep in the church, uh, in the herd. <laughs> that, you know, every structure has a dominance hierarchy. So these sheep, they also have kind of a leader within the group. It's usually the fattest, oldest sheep. Yeah. So let's say that this young new sheep is, 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 is trying to, you know, uh, feed uh, at this new green pasture that the pastor, the shepherd just found. What usually happens is this fat old lady, I mean sheep, uh, <clears throat> Comes and says, excuse me, you're sitting in my place. 
So if the little young sheep tries to kind of, you know, defend itself, they start to hit their heads. Have you seen that? It's really funny to, to watch sheep. So they start to hit their, they couldn't like do anything to each other, but they kind of, you know, have friction. You know, sheep will never rest until they stop fighting for status. As a believer, you will never find a resting place in God while you're fighting for status. If there is friction, if you're trying to be the first, can I preach this? It's very difficult to find a place of rest when you're constantly trying to be number one. Because if you're number one, it's tough to be number one. Are you here today? I remember talking to an ex-drug lord, the only person who survived the drug wars in Bulgaria. He was shot in the head with a sniper. Went into a coma for 40 days. Jesus appeared to him and said, I give you a second chance. He became a Christian. So I was sitting with him one day. He was driving me for lunch. I'm the only person that he goes out with, ever. Without any bodyguards, any security. He said, when I'm with you, I feel like I have a legion of angels protecting me. He had not walked the streets of Sofia for years. He could only go out and walk with me. So I'm with this guy. He's taking me for lunch. He's driving me in his bulletproof Mercedes. I mean like real bulletproof car. The car was created for the German chancellor. And he bought it from Mercedes because they had created two, but then she only needed one, so he got the other one. So I'm sitting in the car with him and he looks at me as he's on a stop, uh, a red light. He looks at me, he says, pastor, has a blind man ever driven you around? I said, no. He says, after they shot me in the head and I was in the coma, I was 100% blind. For almost a year, I was blind and then God healed me. And now I have 20-20 vision and I'm driving you. I said, that's very interesting what you're saying, because there is a song. He says, yes, it's amazing grace. I was blind and now I see. It literally happened to me. <laughs> so I'm talking to this gentleman and I say, I want to ask you something. How come did you survive this? I mean, we take God out of the equation because obviously they shot you in the head with a sniper. He still has pieces of the bullets in his head. It's a miracle he's alive. So he says, <clears throat> you know, if we take Jesus out of the picture, which I give all the glory of the fact that I'm alive to God, there is only one reason why I'm still alive, except Jesus. I said, that's what I want to know. He says, I never wanted to be number one. I was always okay with being number two. He said, that's very interesting. And then this is what he told me. He tells me, he says, you know what? Satan always attacks number one. People always attack number one. And if anybody's jealous or envious of you, it's always because you're number one. Nobody is jealous of number two or number three or number four. But he said, guess what? Being number two, 
you're getting almost all the benefits of number one without all the enemies and haters. I said, this is brilliant. Because in the body of Jesus, there is only one number one. He gets all the enemies and we get all the benefits. You should be shouting. He gets all the fights and we get all the feasts. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me. How does he make me? First, he deals with my fear. Say fear. Then he deals with friction. Say friction. Are you here today? Number three, the sheep will never go and lie down, even if it's the nicest place, if there is, you following me? Hunger. A hungry sheep will never lay down. It needs to be fed. Many believers today are not well fed spiritually. That's why they're restless. You see, when your spiritual stomach is full, are you here today? When you have been well fed with the word of faith, you can lie down. So he makes you lie down by feeding you. Can I give you number four? Number four is frustration. Now, what's, a, what's very frustrating for sheep is all the mosquitoes and all uh, the different bugs that bug them. It's a picture of spiritual warfare where the enemy is sending little demons to you. <laughs> Like everything is fine, but you have this little. You know something about sheep? It's a proven fact. If they are not anointed, literally, that's what the shepherds do. The shepherds take ointment that has certain ingredients and herbs and they rub it, especially in the head of the sheep. That's why it says he anoints my head. Because when the head is anointed, two things happen. Number one, all these bugs, they don't touch you. Because sheep are one of the few animals that could literally lose their mind and die because of these bugs. They become so restless. They become so crazy. They become so tired of fighting. They begin to roll around. There are instances of sheep that died because of the frustration. Let me ask you something. Is the enemy bugging you? Is the enemy bugging you with some demonic interference in your life that is trying to take your attention off of the shepherd and into your problems? Instead of you fighting these little demons, you should just get some more anointing. 
Oh, you should be clapping here. The anointing is the solution for demonic interference. Do you know what's the other thing that happens when he anoints you? It's very special. There is a certain type of virus that kills most of the sheep. That is transferred from sheep to sheep when they rub their heads. And whenever the shepherd anoints the head, with the ointment he prevents the transference of demons, I mean sickness, from one sheep. You should be shouting a little bit. You see, when we were, when we were starting out, I remember I was a teenager and we were praying for this girl. She was demon-possessed. And we were praying for deliverance and all the demons were manifesting and she was speaking with a male voice. We had this big guy and this little girl, she just pushed him around like nothing. It's like you were watching a movie, but it was life. Not 3D, I don't know what, but it was, it was kind of scary. And everybody in the room was thinking, is it possible that by some chance, this spirit that we are now exercising from this girl is transferred to me? Oh, I promise you, I promise you this. I could not sleep for one week after this. I was, I was, I mean, I went home after, the girl got delivered, but I was going home seeing her face. You know, I look in the mirror, I see her face. I turn off the light. I begin to hear this voice. So now I begin to think, maybe this evil spirit was transferred. <laughs> I should finish this message, I don't know. <laughs> maybe this evil spirit was transferred. Listen, can I shock you? It can be transferred. Can I shock you a little further? If you're not anointed, it will be transferred. Your only defense against the spirits of the enemy is the anointing. You should be clapping. You should be shouting. You should be enjoying. Say, anoint me, God. Anoint me afresh. So he makes you lie down by dealing with food, friction, fear, and frustration. When he deals with these four F's, then you can go down and lay down and find rest. And when you find rest, the Bible says, he makes me lay, lay down at green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet, relaxed. Say relax. Say the Lord is my shepherd and I will relax. If you're not relaxed, you haven't still allowed the shepherd to be your shepherd. Can I shock you a little further? Everybody has a shepherd. Even if you don't believe in God, you have a shepherd. Maybe your shepherd is Satan, but you have a shepherd. Maybe your mom is your shepherd. Are you here today? Maybe your, your, your boss is your shepherd. 
Everybody has a shepherd. It's only with, with God that he says, will you allow me to be your shepherd? And here we have a shepherd who is David, who, who is the shepherd king, who has perfect knowledge and experience of what it means to take care of this innocent and incapable of self-defense and a very vulnerable creatures. He understands what it means to defend sheep with your life. He had to fight a lion. He had to fight a bear to defend his sheep. And now he has become the king of Israel, the most powerful human on the planet. He spoke face to face with God. He had angelic encounters. He was slaying giants. And yet he said, just as these sheep are vulnerable and defenseless and dependent to the shepherd, so I will say, the Lord is my shepherd. I am completely, utterly, fully dependent on him. And when you put your whole heart, expectation, and faith in the shepherd, in the right shepherd, say the right shepherd. Who is the right shepherd? Jesus said, I am the shepherd. And he said, my sheep hear my voice and another voice they will not follow. Jesus identified himself as the shepherd who was leading the shepherds. This is a picture of the New Testament church where we are shepherds. A pastor is a shepherd, but we are not the head shepherds. We are only sub shepherds. We are under submission to the great shepherd. You have only one shepherd and it's Jesus. Why? Because the shepherd is the one that laid down his life for the sheep. He died for you. He lived for you. He was incarnated for you. And he paid the price for you to be part of his family with his precious blood. Clap and shout like you believe you belong to Jesus. He makes me. Say he makes me. Then says he leads me. He makes me and he leads me. So I am not who I want to be. I am who he wants me to be. I'm not choosing my own will. I'm choosing his will for my life. And you know, this is very humbling. Are you here? Because we all have opinions. Especially when it comes to our lives. We think this is how I should live my life. Or, or we get opinions from... You know, people that define us, whether it be our parents or leaders or people that we like, we aspire to be like. And then we decide, this is me. This is who I am going to be. This is my role in life. This is like, that's me. But then when you decide who you are, he didn't make you. You made yourself. So you called yourself your own shepherd. If you want him to be your shepherd, you have to play by his rules and say, you will now make me. You know, people ask me almost every week of my life, how come this happened to you? How come the success? How come the blessing? How come the influence? How come the straight road? Look at me. It's a straight road. Yes, there are some, you know, obstacles on the way. There are some valleys and you know, there are some mountains to climb, but I didn't, I never left the path. I never said, okay, let me stop doing this and just do my thing. Let me make me. 
You know, it's very, it's a famous saying in English, outdo me now. I was talking to a friend of mine. He just turned 60. I said, so what's the new thing? He sa I said, what's, what's the plan for the future? He said, well, now I'll just do me. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, my whole life, I tried to be the right guy for this. I tried to be the good father. I tried to be the husband. I tried to be the leader. I tried to be the preacher. Now I'm just going to do me. And then ask him the big question. You ready for it? I said, where first, who are you? And second, how do you know that's the real you? She said, I'm just going to do me. You know, and most of the times when people say, I'll just do me, they mean I'll do the most irresponsible, stupid version of me. When people say, I'll just do me, they say, I'm just going to go to Las Vegas, spend my money, I'm going to drink myself to death, and I'm going to marry a prostitute. I'll be me. <laughs> Who told you that that's you? How do you know that's the real you? How do you know that you're not selling yourself short for what God meant for you? I'm here to preach to somebody under the sound of my voice at Awakening Church. Don't do you. Don't do whatever you think you should do. Do whatever he said you are. Be whoever he said you are. Come on and shout like you believe it. And then you find a big difference, Daniel, because when you say he makes me, then you cannot say it's just me. All the excuses go out of the door when you say, he makes me. Because we know he doesn't make stupid stuff. Are you here today? So instead of you using, I'll do me as an excuse to be irresponsible and do the stupidest version of you. Why don't you say, I'll do God's plan for my life. And then you'll find yourself doing exploits and doing miracles and doing things that actually matter. Come on and shout and clap. If God makes you, say, God makes me. And then he leads me. The shepherd was writing in his book. About his favorite sheep, we'll call it Maria. This Maria was the most, according to his word, beautiful, smart sheep in his whole herd. So he says, I love this one. They had a special bond, you know. There was just a little thing, thing though. This little Maria, she was finding ways to go under. Ah, I'm trying to preach here. She was finding ways to go under the fence and run out. So he was so worried about her because sometimes he would find her, you know, on her back laying and almost about to die because sheep are, as we preached and established, not very smart. So he goes to save Maria once, he goes to save Maria twice, but then something crazy happens. Are you here today? Something really crazy happens. Other sheep start following Maria. 
Now she's not being led by the shepherd. But she's leading other sheep. The spirit of Lucifer always works in people's hearts to lead them in rebellion against their own calling and their own position. The enemy knows he could not take you out, so he's working in you to go under the fence, to get a few of your guys with you. So then the good shepherd, remember, this is his favorite sheep. He writes in the book, I had to do the toughest thing that I have ever done as a shepherd. I had to put her to sleep because she was destroying the flock. Let me tell you this. Are you being led by the shepherd or by another sheep that's confused? I really believe in asking for advice. People that ask for advice. I really believe in being mentored by people who have a mentor. I really believe in following people who are following somebody. It's only in churches. Can I preach this today? Did you find people who are not being led by God, or sometimes they think they are, they're not being led by the shepherd, by leadership, they're leading themselves. And the worst thing about it is they always lead themselves to destruction. Have you led yourself astray because you wanted to be your own man or your own leader? Let me tell you a secret. A sheep loses its life when it decides not to follow the shepherd. A Christian loses his life when he decides to be his own shepherd. The quickest way to failure is to just do whatever you want to do. Can you agree with that? Because most of the times you want the wrong thing and you want it now. You want the money now. You want the lady You want to have sex quickly now. You want to eat. When? You see, I'm a real prophet. <laughs> I even knew you were hungry. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, this is the, the highest level of uh, spirituality. I never wanted to start this church. Are you here today? <laughs> but nobody asked me if I wanted to. You see, God commands us 
He leads us. It's only if we listen. But if we do not listen to the voice of the shepherd, it's to our detriment. Say, he makes me. He leads me. And then number three is powerful. It's prophetic for somebody here. He restores me. Say, restores, restores. You know, I love this word restores. It's, it's even better than, than the, the Bulgarian translation. Because restores means that there is something to fix and bring back together. And if you look at the psalm in the Hebrew, you understand it speaks of the moment when sheep are falling. You know that sheep can fall? It's very funny because they fall. And when they fall, they usually fall on their back. And they literally need to be restored. This is the term. Now, let's see how these sheep fall. Do we have it here? This is how they fall. Now, I think this looks funny. This is you. Are you here today? This is you after the third glass of wine. You need to be restored. <laughs> Are you here today? This is you after being absent from church for a month. You need to be restored. You know what's funny about this thing? It actually happens very often. I didn't, I didn't know it. I had to read books for this series to understand sheep and how it, they function and their problems and stuff. And I didn't know, but this happens literally every day. And this is one of the top priorities of a good shepherd is to watch for sheep that have fallen and restore them. Because while they're like this, they start to choke. And if, if they're left alone without any help, Within a few hours, a sheep could die. They're really trying to turn, but they cannot turn on their own. It's a picture of salvation. You could never get saved if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to touch you. And do you know how they restore them? The term is pushing. It's pushing. It speaks of Getting out of your comfort zone. So what the shepherd does, sometimes they can do it even if they're a really experienced shepherd. They can just go with their foot like this and kick it. I feel like this sermon is literally like a kick for somebody. It's like a kickstart for somebody. Come on. It's like God is telling you, I am your shepherd. Are you here today? So now this sheep, this is you. Look at how miserable you are. This is like you are on your own. Like, I'm going to live the Christian life. Are you here? I can do it on my own. This is you. So now you need external help. Are you here? Because you cannot help yourself. But I have good news for you. God has sent me at this church at this location for such a time as this to tell you I'm here to restore your soul shout like you believe it clap like you believe it you know there are three major reasons for sheep to fall like this number one is usually the sheep that fall are the fat sheep 
Don't get offended now. We all need to lose some weight. November has been, uh, you know, historically a month of eating more in preparation for December. That's why we usually start the new year with fasting. It's not only because we want to be spiritual. It's because we become fed like sheep that are falling. Gives a picture of religion. It gives you the picture of somebody who thinks, "Oh, I've been at this for so long. I've read the Bible. I know the next word. I know what he's gonna say." You're fed up. You're puffed up. The Bible actually says, "Knowledge makes you fat. It puffs you up." So, the more puffed up you are with knowledge, okay, a lot of information coming in, a lot of revelation coming in. And very little output and service and giving and loving, you're becoming fat. So now, if you want to stop falling, first thing you have to do is lose the weight. I'm trying to preach now. Lose the weight of religion. Lose the weight of sin. Lose the weight of you know so much, but you do so little. It's better to know little and do much than to know much and do little. Am I preaching in the right church? Lose the weight. Push your neighbor and say, it's time for you to lose the weight. You see, I'm a prophet. This was prophetic. You agree? Should, we should all lose the weight. So then... The second major reason, and I'm finishing with this, why sheep are falling and they need to be restored is that they haven't been trimmed for a long time. Usually, they need the shepherd to shave off the excess wool because wool is very heavy. It gets filled with debris and sticks and all kinds of stuff. And so this whole thing that is a blessing is now actually contributing to you falling. Have you ever experienced a situation in your life where what you prayed for and God gave you became a stumbling block to your walk with God. I know people that were so close to the shepherd when they had nothing, only to go so far from the shepherd when they received the blessing that the shepherd gave them. It's a real danger, you know, because there is a big question. I'm going to conclude with this question. I'm going to allow you to ponder this question when you leave this place. It's a question of ownership. This is the question. Is it possible to really own anything? That's a question. I think you should think about this question. Can I take it a little further? 
Let me take it further. I'll take it further for you. But especially for this side, because this side, they're going to, you know, we'll pray for them. Is it possible to own anything without it owning you? That's a serious question. The great philosopher, theologian, writer, author of the Lord of the Rings books and Hobbit gave such a brilliant picture of the ring. A ring that you own, but in some very real and mystical sense, it owns you. A ring that gives you something. Are you here today? But in some very real and tangible way, takes something from you. It becomes your precious. The one thing that you could not live without. So let me ask you now, is it possible to own anything without it owning you? And because I want to be a good leader and not leave you worrying all week, I'm going to give you a hint. Do you want a hint or you want to go home? Let me give you the hint. If you can give it, if you can let it go, then you own it and it doesn't own you. If you cannot voluntarily give it, it becomes your stumbling block and begins to own you. The story of God's promise, we said that this series is called Mysteries and Promises. The story of God's promise works like this. Are you here? You're praying for something your whole life, okay? You want it. Are you here? You really want it. Whatever it, it may be, you know what it is. It may be fame, it may be money, it may be achievement, it may be a position, it may be a family, it may be a son or a daughter, it may be a building for your church. something then you ask God for it then God does something crazy he promises that he will do it for you he says I'll do it for you in my own way in my own time you just believe so now you're like Abraham this is the whole this is the whole story of the the, the Bible you say okay yes wonderful I'll wait then God actually delivers he gives you what you asked for Want to hear the crazy part? As soon as he gives it to you, he says, now give it to me. So basically, I'm going to promise you something. You're going to believe for it, pray for it, give for it, fight for it. And when you get it, you're going to give it to me. So now you're thinking, what's the hustle about? Like, I've been working my life for this I've been waiting, praying, believing. I'm like Abraham who said, God, I want a son. God, I want a son. Will you give me a son? I'll give it. But you will you give me a son. Give me a son. Give me a son. Give me a son. And then God gave him a son. And then as soon as God gave him a son, God was like, give me your son. 
why God wants you to give him whatever is of value to you is because as soon as it leaves you in your hands, it becomes eternal and can never be lost because it's in, it's in, it's in his hand. While your own blessing is controlled by you, you could lose it. Whenever you already lost it because you gave it to God, you can never lose it. I said you can never lose it. One of my mentors was sharing a story of, actually the business guy, he was sharing the story about, I know the guy, he told me the same story. They are flying together. And this prophet says to the guy, son, I want to talk to you. So he says, yes. He says, you know I love you. Yes, sir. You know I want the best for you. Yes, sir. I want you to do something for me. Yes, sir. How much money do you have in your bank account? He says, I don't know. He says, tell me exactly how much. So I'm not sure. Okay, just give me a number. See, it's a little over 12 million uh, pounds. Okay, son, this is what I want now. Transfer all your money in my account. Uh, Father, I love you. I have to ask my uh, uh, um, lawyer. No, no, son, you don't have to ask anybody. I'm telling you now, just transfer the money. I want to keep them safe for you. Give them as a loan. If you want, I can put as a warranty all of my real estate. I have like 70 million in real estate. So here's 12 million. Here's 70 million. Let's just do this. But do it quickly. Um, let's get off the plane. Uh, uh, okay, okay. We go down. We go to the service. Blah, 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 blah. He never gives the money. A few weeks pass. Some laws changed in the UK. They checked something with his accountant. Something happened. Then somebody in his company lied to him. They took all his money. He calls the prophets and says, Why didn't you tell me? He says, I told you. Just give them to me for safekeeping. I feel like sometimes God is telling you, why don't you give me this? For safekeeping. You know, the enemy could always come and steal it from you. But he could never steal it from me. So if your most valuable assets your most valuable gifts are in my hand. Good news. You could never lose them. And if you don't get it back from me, at least you know it's in my hand. Are you here today? I feel that this is a question that the Spirit of God is posing. 
What is the one thing in your life that you could not live without? You cannot imagine giving it away. You cannot imagine losing it. God is after this one thing today. And he says, give it to me for safekeeping. Can I give you a revelation and finish this? Your yes is, sounds like a no. Can I give you the last one? This is the last one, really. If Abraham wasn't willing to sacrifice his son, his son was going to die. Now, you know, everybody who knows the Bible, thinks they know, they're asking, where is this in the Bible? It's very simple. It's the major teaching of Christ. Whoever wants to win his life has to lose his life. And whoever wants to receive has to do what? Give. So acting in the opposite spirit is actually protecting you you know, if you don't give to God, the enemy has rights. Ah. The enemy has the right to attack whatever belongs to you. This, this secret changed my life, okay? This is why nothing that I own breaks. It's like a miracle. Because I own nothing. My English is not bad. Your revelation is very, very slow. So I just got a new iPad. I gave my other iPad. A guy said, oh, this is so nice. He saw the magic keyboard. That's how they call it. He said, I've been thinking of getting one. And I told him, and I had it in my head a few days ago that you need one. So this is yours. He was like, what do you mean? I said, it's yours. He said, it's not mine, it's yours. I said, no. From the moment I thought it's yours. And the moment you confirmed that you liked it and you thought it's, yours, it's already yours. He says, but how are you going to preach on Sunday? I said, I'll find a way. He says, but please keep it and then give it after Sunday. I said, okay, but I'm going to use your iPad and preach with your iPad then. I will only use it for preaching. Is that okay? He's like, he's looking at me like, this pastor is weird. No. Everything on this planet works with stewardship. So I said, I will only use it for preaching. I prepared it, put it in my car, put it in a bag, put very nicely and until I met the guy to, to, for him to get it I didn't ever use it again you want to know the secret why I would have broken it lost it something would have happened because in the realm of the spirit whenever you said this is given to God or this is given to this man it's already his and the longer you keep it, you're a thief. You get attacked like a thief. Are you here today? So this is how I learned this. One day, out of the blue, I get sick. I'm like, I never get sick. I'm like <clears throat> coughing and she got sick. I got sick. I got fever. I got everything. I'm like, 
This never happened. Now, it went so bad. This is a few years ago. I actually had to take, uh, you know, some pills. And I never, like, take, uh, you know, I don't believe in this stuff. I believe in other types of medicine, okay? But it's just my belief. But this time I had to do it. So I'm, like, taking it. And I'm, like, I send one of my guys to get me this because... Theodora's mom is a doctor, so I asked, what should I get? Oh, she said, yo, you're really doing badly. You need to get this thing. I said, how much does it cost? I sent my guy. He's like, it costs a fortune. I'm like, what is this, gold? It's like medicine. So then I'm not okay. I'm like praying. I'm like, God, I should not be sick. Why am I sick? He says, sir, you'll be fine. It's just that the enemy stole your money. He said, how can he steal my money when I'm tithing? He said, no, you haven't tithed. He said, no, I usually tithe. He said, yes, but now you haven't. I said, God, my money for tithing are prepared in this box. I'm waiting for the amount to become a certain amount. Okay? And then I'll give it because I don't want to give small amounts. He said, yes. And while it's in your hand, the enemy can attack it and ask for it. So I call the guy I'm tithing to. I said, this happened to me. I'm so, you know, I'm so sorry, but I got sick. I had to pay for this and that. And I can't believe that this happened to me. And then he said, I'll tell you why it's happening to you. He said, enlighten me. He said, because you're stupid. This is his answer to everything. You're stupid. He said, because you're stupid. You think I'll gather a bigger amount and then I'm going to send it. And he says, while you're gathering it, the enemy is coming and contesting for this money. Because they already promised to somebody and you're not releasing it. Are you learning something today? So I put myself in a position with, with Teodoro here, with my wife. We say, <clears throat> how do we make sure that we are not attached, overly attached? Okay, let's clear the bank account. I know this sounds crazy to some of you, but we actually do this. We've done it how many times? We haven't uh, really counted, but it's over 10 times. Like, let's give everything. Cars clothes, watches. Listen, I've had hundreds of watches. Currently I have, you know how many? One. And this is the one that, you know, God still thankfully hasn't asked me to give away. It's not expensive. It just has value of, you know, a general God gave it to me. I don't want to give it away. But I've had Rolexes. I've had golden Rolexes. I've had, I mean, everything you can imagine. And just give it away. Just to make sure that I own it and it doesn't own me. Because if I own it as a steward, not as an owner, the real owner is God. Don't, don't, don't bother thinking that you own the money. It's the real owner is God. He gave it to you. Don't even bother you have your body. It's like the real owner of your body is God. 
He gives you bread every day. You realize that? If he doesn't give you bread, bread this morning, you're out. You're finished. Finito. Finito la musica. Dead. Gone. Moved out. So what are you then? You're a steward to your body. You're a steward to your finances. You're a steward to your uh, influence. Can I take it further? You're even a steward to your name. Even the name you think you have, you're a steward. I need 120,000 for, for uh, the amount that we are going to pay for the building. And the deadline is coming. And, you know, the money are coming, but a little slower than expected. I mean, we raised 1.2 million, but still, you know, 120,000. We're waiting to finish the deal. And the deadline is coming. I'm like, the Lord is my shepherd. I met a guy. He's like, how are you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. He said, you seem very happy. I said, I'm happy. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just raising the last 120,000. He said, when is the day? I said, in five days. He said, you're relaxed. I said, of course. What do you mean? The Lord is my shepherd. You're not here. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So I'm on a call. I'm on a call with a friend of mine. She says, how are you doing? I said, oh, great. She says, can you come and teach and da-da-da at this place? I said, yes. Can you do this? Yes. How are you doing? Great. Let me ask you, you had a building. You were going to buy a building uh, that I, I gave you some money for that building as an offering to your church. How is this happening? I said, we're almost there. The deadline is in a few days. He says, uh, how much do you still need? I said, it's okay. Just 120,000 euros. She says, you're fine? I said, of course I'm fine. She says, uh, uh, I'm calling my accountant and I'm wiring you right now 120,000. She said, you pay me whenever you want. I said, what do you mean? This is 120,000 euros. She says, yes, I'm giving it to you right now. I said, without any explanation, any contract, any like written agreement, loan, like... She says, if it has come to that a prophet of God will lie to me, then the world is finished. She sent me the money. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You are worrying because you haven't relinquished control of your life. You actually have your life. When you stop having your life, then you stop worrying about your life. You're worrying you're going to die. So what? Your life is not your own, right? You're worrying how I'm going to make it. So what? A preacher told me, what if this building project doesn't work? I said, then we know. It's not like I get my identity from what I have achieved, who knows me, who believes me. If I have a name, I'm a steward of that name. If I have a position, I'm a steward of that position. If I have resources, I'm just a steward of the resources. If I have people following me, I'm just a temporary steward. The real owner, the real king, the real shepherd is Jesus Christ. Shout like you believe it, come on.
Oh, come on and shout a little bit. So now, this is what I want you to do. As you lift your hands and close your eyes, I want you to lift your hands and open them wide and just imagine that you're releasing whatever you're holding. Control is an illusion, but stewardship is a reality. Stewardship is a reality. Can God trust you with millions? This is the question. Question is not, can God give you 1 million or 2 million or 5 million or 10 million or 20 million? This is not the question. This is the, real, this is the question. Are you ready for it? Can God trust you that when he gives it to you, it will not make you fall and then he has to restore you? Or maybe you die, you choke on your own blessings. If I didn't agree to be the person I am today, I think I would be, you know, not among the living. Are you here? Where is this, Pastor? Where is this in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. To whom much is given, much is also what? Required. It's required as long as you didn't give it away. Are you here today? You have some money, George? You carry some cash? Give me some cash, okay? Now he gave me this, okay? Now, much is given. Now it's required, right? Daniel, come here. Now. Is it required from me now? Is it required from me? No. It's only required from me while what is given is in me. It's only required from me while I don't give it back. Now I give it back. Is it still required from me? Can somebody attack me for this money? Can somebody steal this money from me? Are you here today? Are you getting it? Okay. Who much is given? God gave me a talent. Gifts of the Spirit, leadership, whatever talents He gave me. He gave it to me, right? Now, if I take this and I say, okay, I'm going to use it the way I want. Then the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? God gave me a talent. And I say, okay, God. I am going to use this talent, whatever you gave me, for you in your service, at your service. It's not mine, it's yours. This is reality. I give it back. Can the enemy attack me now for it? Can he take it from me? Can he steal it? So I have everything and have nothing at the same time. Satan will convince you that you own your life, your health, your marriage, your family. If he convinces you in this, you're about to lose it. God will tell you, allow me to be your shepherd. Give me this money. Okay? The enemy cannot take it. Because now, it's not in your hand. You're, of course, technically, if you check my bank balance, it doesn't say, so and so, Mr. God, his network, the network of Mr. Jesus Christ is... 1.5 million. No. It will say, Maxim Azanov, 1.5 million. But it's a spiritual reality where I know that I don't own this money. This money, I have given it back. So God says now, give it to George. I give it. Give it to the church. I give it. Give it to the church. Uh, give them to somebody who don't know. I, it's finished. It was never mine. It was never mine to begin with. 
Are you getting it? So when you get this revelation, you're like, oh, I'm worrying about my health. Is it yours to worry about? Will you fix yourself by worrying? You're sitting at the doctor's office like, oh, am I going to get that diagnosis? Listen, if you're going to die, you're going to die. Congratulations. It will not make you undie or not die. And my English is not bad. It's just your revelation is slow. You know, it will not stop you from dying if you're worried. It will accelerate your dying. I always tell people, like, this is what I told my wife last time we were flying together. There was amazing turbulence, like crazy turbulence. Like, I was sleeping. We're in business class. My bed is there. I'm sleeping. I have my thing on. And then I wake up because my body was doing this. I was hitting the bed like this. And thank God I had this uh, belt, seat belt, keep me, you know, from, you know, <laughs> hitting the roof. It was crazy. I have never experienced anything like this before. And I hope I don't experience it after. The fact that I'm not afraid doesn't mean that I enjoy. Okay? So I'm like, I wake up, my wife, Pastor Theodore, he's, she's like, Our Father who are in heaven, how would be that? She's praying. I hear some Muslim guy in the back of me. Everybody was praying. Listen, even a guy that seemed like he wasn't a Christian, he was like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. I'm like, everybody's now believing in God. <laughs> You know, when you're, when you're about to die, you become a believer very quickly. <laughs> he was cussing and saying Jesus, cussing and saying Jesus. I was like, that's a new doctrine. So <laughs> I, I get up in the bed. My wife is like, are we going to be okay? I'm like, yes. Did God say we're going to be okay? I said, yes. And if not, we're just going to go to heaven. So good night. So I just went to bed and slept. Like if you are going to, if this was my last flight, I wouldn't have been here today. Congratulations. Finished. Just go to heaven, enjoy my life with angels and Jesus and all the Christians that are now perfect. Because Christians on the other side are perfect. You know, on this side, not yet. <laughs> on the other side, be perfect. I would be perfect. And that's it. But wouldn't you, Pastor, wouldn't you miss, miss us? Not at all. Not a bit. Like, there are some stupid people that say, oh, your parents, they miss you in heaven. Yeah, right. Your parents are thinking about you in heaven. They're not thinking about cherubim and seraphim and Jesus. They're thinking about you. It's not true. They forgot about you. They don't even care about you. All they think about is, wow, this is amazing. Like the first seven years in heaven, there are only two words that people say. Wow. And the second word is, aha. This is for seven years. Then after seven years, you start to say hello. <laughs> so you go to heaven. You think I'm going to be in heaven worrying about you? Oh, but what about your children? You think I'm going to be in heaven worrying about my children? Are you crazy? Like then there are other people. They've never been to heaven, but they say, I'm so excited when I go to heaven. I want to talk to Paul. I want to talk to Abraham. You fool. <laughs> when you go to heaven. You forget about Paul. You forget about Abraham. You forget about your mom, your dad, 
on your relatives, your problems, and people you knew, you only think about one thing. How do I get closer to this strong room? And how do I see the face of Jesus and stay at the feet of Jesus and worship him forever? Shout like he's your shepherd. You're not thinking about anything else. And then the Orthodox, they even go further in the stupidity. They say, oh, please, Mother Mary, pray for us. As if Mary has nothing to do in heaven. She's just going to be praying for you. Or St. George. My favorite is when they say, oh, St. George, pray for us. I'm like, I have five George in my church. <laughs> All of them are saints, so they could pray for you. But George, St. George in heaven, the dragon's there. He's busy watching heavenly Netflix or doing something like that. He's not busy with you. Even if he decided to hear the prayer of some of you, sorry for my Orthodox friends, I really have uh, only good feelings for you, but nonsense is nonsense, even when it's religious nonsense. Like a uh, hundred thousand people praying to Saint George to help them. George will get a split personality, you know. He'll be trying to help everybody. <laughs> He's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he can help maximum one guy or pray for one guy at a time. He didn't become God because he's in heaven. And again, I promise you, as somebody who has seen heaven, you don't care about anything in heaven. You don't think about anything in heaven. You're not like missing your family. Oh, I missed them. No, no, no. You don't miss anything. There is nothing even like a feeling in yourself where you lack anything. It's a full experience of the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I don't lack anything. I have it all. Now. Shout. Now. Come on. So, as you lift your hands, begin to release it now. Release your talent. Release your money. Release your gifts. Release your destiny. Say, God, for as many years I have on this planet, I am not the owner of these years. I'm the steward of these years. For whatever resources I have on this planet, I'm not the owner of these resources. I'm only the steward of it. God, I surrender. I surrender all. I surrender my gifts, my talents, my resources, my time. Nothing I have has me. Because everything I have is in your hand. In Jesus' name, shout and clap like you really believe it. Come on. I believe this message has blessed and encouraged you to discover the strength and faith the Creator has put in you. If you'd like to support us, scan the QR code you see on the screen and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us, go to awakening.bg.